Hi, everyone. You're listening to And Then Some, the official podcast of Solomon McCown & Company, where we look at all things strategic communications. I'm TJ Winnick. And I'm Connor Units. And today's podcast is called No News, No Problem, where we look at our favorite strategies to uh, place our clients in the news when they just don't have a lot of sort of big breaking developments uh, happening. And I know, Connor, uh, this is something that uh, all PR firms deal with um, on, a, on a fairly regular basis. And uh, I guess it's one of the the benefits of the media landscape uh, being so fractured and a lot of different outlets out there is that there are a lot of opportunities. There are, especially if you want to get creative. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we're going to uh, share some of our strategies, as I mentioned, and um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, how we've had success individually uh, with those. The first um, is, is not a secret. It's thought leadership. We're talking about sort of executive profiles. We're talking about Q&As. Even when things are slow, if you if you have a client who uh, is interesting, they're involved in interesting work, they have interesting personalities in the C-suite, um, the, the news and reporters still want to hear from them. One of the things we've found uh, across my clients is that podcasts like this one are actually a great opportunity to get executives out of their comfort zone um, and really leverage periods where the conversation can be more about their background and the company's background than about than any specific project that's going on. And we've really found these, they exist in a lot of different industries. They tend to be longer form. It really allows the executive, the client to speak a lot about the, you know, the, their mindset and it both leads to great content and also sparks new ideas for other pitches that might come out of the discussion. Yeah. Because even when things aren't going on, let's say during a particular month, um, that executive or a CEO or whoever we're talking about, they have an interesting personal story in terms of their professional background. They can talk about sort of the corporate culture um, at the organization, which is of interest. They can talk about sort of, you know, where where the organization is headed, um, you know, how they're sort of maybe impacted by changing landscape in the particular city they're located in, whether it's Boston or about sort of national trends in their vertical um, Absolutely. And, and as some of these discussions, you know, tend more to the personal side as well, sometimes the host will ask your client questions that maybe you weren't comfortable asking them about their background, about their growing up or their college years or their military service that may end up sparking new ideas for pitches going down the road. A reason to always take notes during a client interview. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so another thing, uh, another strategy um, that uh, we, we often use is sort of creating relationships uh, between our clients and reporters. And this sort of speaks to, I think, more of an overall philosophy we have here about media relations in that we don't want to just push stories uh, at reporters. We want to create a two-way relationship where the reporter understands that, you know, our clients are a resource for them when they're working on, you know, a more general story where they need some expert analysis or insight. Absolutely. And, you know, while we tend to look at this as a, you know, a 12-month process, when times are slow in the news cycle, it's certainly good from a client perspective to be scheduling these kinds of interviews uh, so that they're out there talking to reporters. And 
almost every time these conversations pay off in the long run. It might be three months from now, it might be 12 months from now, but when you are building long-term relationships with quality reporters who are always thinking about different sources they can employ, uh, these, these meetings, these conversations, even when there's no news to be had, tend to pay off. Yeah, I want you to think of an example. While I while I mentioned one um, that uh, paid off for for me and one of uh, my clients, I actually set up a coffee with a reporter who is uh, covering sort of the baby boomer beat, looking at you know trends uh, for those folks uh, you know over sixty five, and sat down with him, talked about um, was talking about one client, but then happened to mention that we work with. Um, you know, a wealth management group and they do a lot of retirement planning. And sure enough, that I think that was like last summer. And then in the fall, I got two calls from him and uh, our client appeared in two separate stories. One was around, I think, like social security uh, and one was around just, you know, sort of more general retirement planning. And so that was one coffee where we, you know, we got two stories out of and, uh, and it had nothing to do with what was going on, obviously, at our client at the time. It was more just you know, what, what they excel in, what they, what they're experts in. Absolutely. And we had a case uh, for a major real estate client last year where uh, I think the initial conversation happened in November and it was a phone conversation with a reporter at a big national outlet. Um, he was interested in learning more, but, you know, didn't see a story, had a second conversation similar, maybe three months, four months later. Uh, and then finally that reporter called me out of the blue this past summer and said, um, you know, I'm working on a story. I think X company would be a great fit for it and ended up getting some big national placement. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, the, the relationship building always, always pays off. Maybe, maybe not in the short term, but certainly uh, in the long term, there's, there's a, a better than a chance than not that it, it will pay off. So the, the next uh, strategy is, I guess what I would sort of call creative content. And I'm going to include data in that because uh, infographics, pitching infographics to journalists um, is a great way for them to, you know, get interested in the story. Obviously, the content of the infographic is critically important, not just that it looks nice. Uh, I know that we've pitched uh, graphics or uh, uh, diagrams that uh, design and architecture firms have mocked up before. And uh, it was more, they were more sort of aspirational, having to do sort of where things are headed. It had to do with autonomous vehicles. And, uh, you know, many um, outlets were actually interested, both uh, locally and then nationally uh, picked up that local story. And so I think whether it's, you know, looking at a trend and doing something visual with it, or it's using data that's collected by one of our clients and then trying to think about, okay, what's an interesting way to visualize that? I think that's always a way to get reporters interested because then they don't have to do the hard work of being creative. They can more look at um, you know a visual which they think is going to generate um, conversation amongst their readers. And even if they don't write a story about it or include it in a story, you may very well see them tweet it or post it elsewhere on social media because it makes good digital content for them as well. Right. And that's something that we always are, are working hard at, which is sort of convincing our clients that even if something doesn't appear on the front page of the New York Times or the Boston Globe or the Washington Post, that if someone has 30,000 followers, if someone has 100,000 followers and they tweet it out, that's significant. It's, it's getting uh, in front of a lot of different folks. 
So uh, the next one, um, the next strategy that we try and use when uh, clients don't have a lot of big breaking news going on is something that's sometimes referenced as trend jacking. Uh, I think of it as sort of industry and trend stories. Um, it might include breaking news, Connor, uh, when we talk about uh, watching the news and thinking, boy, you know, our client may have something interesting to say about that. I, I love trend jack or, you know, story jacking, as I call it. Uh, you know, we had an example uh, earlier this year and it helped. We had a little bit of insider information, but we knew a big report was coming down. Now, our client had nothing to do with the report. They didn't produce the information. They didn't uh, they didn't publish the information. All they knew about it was that they were in this field and that this report was coming. And in the morning, the report went live. We were out there pitching our clients as you know people that could comment on the story from 4.30 a.m. on. And by the end of the day, I think we had secured four TV hits, two radio hits, and six print placements for the client. And this, So they basically were everywhere talking about this report that they had nothing to do with. And, and is that something that uh, you had to get buy-in for, that you, know, you had to do some convincing of, hey, this report's coming out and we think it would be really good for you to be commenting on it? Is there any hesitancy? I guess it might be client by client, because I know sure. some clients are very, you know, they don't want to touch anything that doesn't have to do with them because they feel like, you know, they don't want to be perceived as sort of taking advantage of, of an opportunity or sort of, you know, sticking their neck out. Absolutely. Totally depends on the client. In this case, the client, our goal with them from day one, going back two years was to make them the preeminent voice for everything happening in this industry. So it just made sense. They told us, we know this report's coming. What can we do with it? And we said, here's our strategy. And we executed it successfully. And, and including in that sort of breaking news uh, category, I think we would include sort of seasonal or relevant monthly themes uh, up here in the Northeast, uh, you know, whenever there's a major snowstorm or when there are, you know, a series of storms back to back. Uh, reporters will often do stories on how that's impacting the commute to work, um, sort of office culture, uh, things like that. And so those are also opportunities. I, I think during one major storm, even uh, us here at Solomon McCown were featured or mentioned in one uh, particular outlet because of just, you know, uh, maybe we were allowed to, you know, work remotely if, if need be and things like that. So that, you know, it, it can be hard news. It can be soft news, but there are always opportunities. Absolutely. And if you have a relevant voice on a story like that in a good location, if you have a waterfront location and you've been focused on sustainability practices and there's a, there's a big storm, then that may be an opportunity to secure some press on your sustainability efforts. So always thinking big picture about what's happening in the news and how you can leverage that for your clients. Okay. And our, our final strategy that we want to mention on the podcast today, and our podcast is called No News, No Problem, is uh, editorial pieces. And, you know, under that umbrella, we'll, um, we'll include letters to the editor, um, as well as, uh, you know, a byline in a, you know, it could be an industry trade, uh, not just a major consumer um, outlet. Uh, Connor, you've had a lot of uh, success securing placements for editorials. And uh, it's tough. Obviously, there's a huge competition amongst individual writers and amongst organizations trying to insert their opinions in the, um, in the editorial pages of their, their local uh, paper or a national outlet. What do you find is most helpful in, in securing coverage? You know, I think it, it actually goes a lot back to the idea of story jacking to a certain extent, because 
oftentimes with editorial pages, the timing of the content matters a great deal. Uh, trying to be the first voice, papers are generally not going to run multiple op-eds on the same topic uh, over a course of days. And if, you, if you're reading about a topic and you say, oh, gee, I want to get my opinion on that, it's probably too late. Uh, so being ahead of the curve and in, in getting your thoughts on kind of thinking forward, thinking about what are they going to be writing about, you know, what's happening in the news today that I have a really strong opinion about and I have a unique perspective about. And and that's kind of working with your clients to develop the, the piece from a position of what is unique that I'm saying about this or my client is saying about this that nobody else can say. Do uh, personal relationships with the editorial board at a particular outlet, does that help? relationships never hurt in this business, right? And those are uh, developed over time. And in my experience, you can develop a nice relationship with editorial boards by being direct, by submitting content that's both original, that's unique to them. You're not you're shopping it all around town. You're at least giving them first crack at it. Uh, and and you're submitting well-written stuff that doesn't need a ton of editing. That generally helps to uh, help build that relationship. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, you're not going to get a lot of feedback uh, from, <laughs> from, the, from these folks. You're lucky if you even hear back at all. Right. Um, and so it's really, um, you know, it's, it's about trial and error and it's about um, really understanding. Uh, and I think reading the editorial page a lot so you can see what, what does appear yeah, and then trying to uh, mimic some of those qualities. Well, uh, that's all we have uh, for today's podcast of And Then Some. Uh, we appreciate you all listening. Again, remember, uh, even if your client doesn't have some big breaking or developing news, there are always uh, strategies that you can employ to uh, secure coverage uh, for your organization or your company. Uh, I'm TJ Winnick. I'm Connor Units. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.